turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Y'all are very quiet this morning. You're supposed to get an extra hour of sleep. You're supposed to uh, come in here rested and uh, refreshed. Maybe your team lost uh, last night or something. Uh, Psalm 42. Psalms 42 and 43 uh, were originally written to be one psalm, and you'll see how they fit very well uh, together as we read them this morning. And this is really one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. It's familiar. Most of you have have heard it. Uh, Maybe you know it. Maybe it's one of your favorites. It's not new to, to many people. But again, originally... 42 and 43 go together. Let's read it together. Psalm 42, beginning in verse 1. For the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go into the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep. In the the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer to God, the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Vindicate me, my God. Plead my cause against unfaithful nations. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by an enemy? Send your light, your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God. My joy and my delight, I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, 
for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It's hard to believe, and we say this every year, don't we? It's hard to believe the holidays are right around the corner. Here we go again. Thanksgiving and Christmas a new year. This is a wonderful time of year. It's busy, but it's wonderful, and we look forward to it, and it's often very special because of what? Home. Family. Times with people we we love, and that mean so much to us, but you know this also. For many people, for many people, this is the most difficult time of year. They feel like they should be uh, celebrating and happy. There's much to give thanks for. And again, we have Christmas and our Savior's birth and and a new year. But often it is hard, isn't it, this time of year? Often it is the most difficult. We have memories, we have losses, we have difficulties. And many of those things involve home. Many of those difficulties involve family. This is a perfect time. We're working through planning our our Advent series. It's a perfect time as we look toward the holidays to remember, to rethink, to remember the meaning of home for a Christian, for a believer. We have here a the author of this psalm telling us a a story. He's giving us an account, giving us an account or a testimony from something that's happened in his life. I want to walk through it with you in the time that we have this morning and see what it is that he experiences. How does he change? What does he want us to know? And we notice right off the, the bat that there's something that he has lost He has a a, a lost past. Something is behind him and he's lost it. We also recognize that now, in the present, there's a great trouble. There's a lost past, there's a present trouble, and then there's a homecoming. There's a homecoming for the writer of this psalm. What has he lost? These things I remember. I pour out my soul. I used to go to the house of God with shouts of joy, festivities, joy, singing, uh, worship. This is the uh, first psalm as we read through the, the psalms that has a heading that refers to someone other than David. It says, for the director of music, a maskal of the sons of Korah. Maskal means wisdom, instruction. Sons of Korah were uh, the temple singers and the musicians who led the people in worship. We don't know many details, but we know he's in exile, he's in the north, and he's longing for worship. He's longing for singing. He's longing for praise. He's longing for all those things that he had in the past. He misses worship. He misses being with Becky Brown and the worship team. He misses leading in worship. We don't know uh, many of the details, but even more importantly, as we walk through this psalm, you know, 
he, he hasn't lost belief in God. Here's what he's lost. Let's get to the core of it. He's lost a sense of the presence of God in his life. He's lost a sense of relationship with God in his life. He's lost a sense of the reality of God in his life. Have you ever been there? I believe in God, but where is he? I know he's sovereign. I know he's lo- he loves me, but I don't feel him and I don't seem to experience him. Experience him. Where, where is he? I don't have a sense of God's, a real palpable sense of God's presence in my heart. He's dry as a deer pants for streams of water. My soul pants for you. The picture here is is of a deer going to a stream bed that normally flows and it's dried up. It's just matted leaves. It's all dried up. There's nothing there. He's dry. This comes as a shock. It, it, It often, as I've seen through the years as a pastor, it comes as a shock, particularly to new Christians. You know, why am I so dry? Where is God's presence? Where is God's relationship with me? Remember that Paul, when Paul speaks of of striving and wrestling and fighting and buffeting and all that, it's after conversion. But he's, he's dry. He's also disillusioned from the inside and outside. Listen to him as he talks to himself. Why, my soul, are you downcast? My soul is downcast within me and from the outside. Pagans, people around him are taunting him. So where's your God in the midst of this dryness? Where is he? Where is he? Where's your God? But notice it's also affecting him. I don't know if you've ever been there. We, I, I have. It's affecting him physically. My tears have been my food day and night. It looks like depression in some sense. He's not eating. He's not sleeping. He's weeping. The loss of God's relationship, the loss of God's presence, the loss of God's reality is affecting him in every way, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Not only that, he has his, no doubt, some friends. So where's your God? They resemble Job's friends. Where's your God? What did you do wrong? There's no indication that he'd done anything wrong. But that's what he's lost. And all of this in the present leads to being completely overwhelmed in the present. Deep calls to deep. The roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. What a picture. He is overwhelmed. You been there? Lord, what next? My tears are my food day and night. I don't have a sense of your presence, and now I have waves coming over me. 
I am overwhelmed. What's going to happen next? This imagery of, of waves and flood and storm. When I read this this week, I, I thought of my, my son. Uh, some of you know my son Harrison. He said there were several times when he was in, he served in Afghanistan. There were several times in Afghanistan in the middle of firefights when he, he said to himself, today seems to be the day that I'm going to die. Hang with me, it gets better. <laughs> Hang with me. But this is why the Psalms are so wonderful. You've been here. He's been there. But it's not the end of the story yet. There have been times in my life, I won't go into details, but in my life and the life of my wife, where we have been literally driven to our knees in tears and desperation. Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and we inevitably learn in those situations that, you know, it, things are not okay. Things are hard. We are not self-sufficient. We thought we had it all together. And we're figuring out that we don't know what's best for us, but you do. He's lost God's presence. He's completely overwhelmed. But here's the, here's the good part, and here's what I want to show you, and I want to get real practical here, like we did in Psalm 51. How does he come home? What does he want us to learn? What is he telling us about uh, what it means to be apart, to be separated, to not know God's presence, to feel dry, to feel overwhelmed? I want to point out several things that he does that you can do today. And if you haven't experienced these things, you will, I promise. Let's be real. But let's, let's see what he does. Let's see what he does. Several specific things that you can do today. Remember, psalms are prayers. Psalms are prayers that take every possible life situation and make them into a prayer and take them before God. What does he do? The first thing he does is he pours out his heart to God. That heart that doesn't sense God's presence, he, he pours out his heart. He prays from where, you, you, some of you have heard me say this before, he prays from where he is, not from where he thinks he should be. If you don't feel God's presence, tell him you don't feel his presence. If you're wondering where he is, tell him you're wondering where he is. Be honest. Pour out your heart. Pour out your soul. Cry out to God. Look at this. Panting, thirsting, tears. I'm oppressed. I'm pleading. Rescue me. He pours out his heart to God. This is what it is to come before your God in, in times of, of difficulty. He pours out his heart, first of all. Secondly, he, he examines his hopes. What are you putting your hope in? There is no time like a difficult time to reveal to you where your hope is. 
there is no time like a difficult time, a challenging time, to reveal to you what your hope is and where your hope is. Do you need to relocate your hope? To aim your hope in a, a different direction? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Put your hope in God. Why are you downcast? Put your hope in God. What are your deepest longings? What do you want more than anything else? Why do you love Christ? Why do you come to church? There is no time like this kind of time to reveal that to you. What is your hope? Where do you locate your hope? That's what he's doing here. And he also, thirdly, he remembers... He remembers what God has done for him in the past. He remembers God's love for him in the past. You know, I remember the worship. I remember the community. I remember the fellowship. I remember the praise. I remember the singing. I remember the people. If you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, you can remember God's love to you what he's done for you in the past in times when a flood and and storm we realize that God is my life he's my rock I can remember what he's done in the past these things I remember as I pour out my soul God is my life God is my rock I can remember do you remember those good things that God has done for you in the past Four, and this is one thing we all need to start, we all need to do, we all need to come to this point. We stop listening to our hearts and we start talking to our hearts. It's almost as though he he grabs his heart and says, look. He's talking to God and to himself here. I I was so encouraged as I've seen this through through the Psalms. I tend... I tend to talk to myself. You know, I'm in the kitchen talking to myself, and I'm upstairs talking to myself, and my family all thought, thought I was very strange. I am very strange, but this, that's not the strangest thing about me. He is talking to God and talking to himself. He's reminding himself of who he is and what he has and who God is. He's preaching to himself. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Remember what God has done for you. It's as though he's, again, taking himself by the the scruff of the neck and saying, Remember the promises, the love, the commitment, the grace, the mercy, the compassion. He preaches to himself. And probably most most importantly um, he moves from I and me to us and we he moves from I and me to us and we he you see this all through the psalm you know I need the presence of God in the community of his people I need the presence of God in the community of his people send out thy light your light and your truth, and let them lead me. Bring me to the holy hill, to your dwelling places, to your altar, where I can praise you. We find wherever we are, we we look for and we find 
God's presence in worship and fellowship and community with other Christians. We're made for one another. You remember Paul tells us in Ephesians, we're members of one another. We're members of each other. We're not units marching in in lockstep. We're organs, living organs that make up a body. We're, We're not like machines with interchangeable parts. We're like a family with different members. Every member with, with different gifts contributing to that community. Jesus Christ died to bring you to this home. Jesus Christ died for his bride, the church. Ephesians 5.25, Christ loved the church and gave himself up, not for it, <laughs> for her, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Did Jesus hear mocking? You save others and you can't save yourself. Come down from that cross. So you're a king, right? Where is your God? Did Jesus Christ experience separation? My God, my God. Why have you forsaken Did Jesus Christ pour his soul out, pour his heart out? Is it necessary for me to drink this cup? Thy will be done. He did. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus Christ, it's amazing, Jesus Christ has been there. He's known the dryness. He's known the waves. He's known being overwhelmed. He's known the lack of presence. He's known pouring his heart out. Consider him, consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Your home is in worship, community, fellowship with these crazy people. And see, you can't see yourselves. I see all of you. You're crazy. There's a little bit of everything in this church. I love it. This is your home. This will always be your home. Come home. Come home to God. Come home to the church. Come home to his table. And have a taste of of heaven in this fallen world. We don't call this communion for nothing. Let's pray. Lord, as we prepare to come to your table and we know that when we come to your table, the bond of unity between us uh, with, with God himself and us and one another is real. We, we look at a, uh, a, a psalm that, that, 
that hits straight forward this morning about where we often are in our lives. And we pray that we would, we would take the model that this prayer, this psalm gives us when we're dry, when we sense a, a loss of presence, a, a loss of reality, a loss of relationship. Uh, when we are overwhelmed and the, and the waves just come at us from, from every direction. Lord, we know that we find home in your presence, in worshiping you with your people, in real community, real fellowship, real relationship. This is the body of Christ, and Jesus Christ died for her. We pray that that would be real to us. And Lord, we pray for your presence by the power of your Spirit now as we prepare to come to your table. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.